Our theme this year is ring it out. That's one way of translating this phrase that comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. The way the English Standard puts it is, sound forth the word. Sound forth. And today, we're going to dive into this. Tonight, we're going to talk about what the gospel is, and we're going to unpack some of this passage, this whole chapter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we'll also start to go through the slow process of addressing all of the really insightful issues that were brought up in the evangelism check-ins that were turned in. And today we're going to focus on this passage, 1 Thessalonians 1, just verses 6 and 8, really, 6 through 8. I found myself, as I was uh, trying to find a way to set this up, having some difficulty illustrating the concept I want to present using just a typical illustration. So I want to start with a little allegorical fairy tale, if you'll allow it. This sermon's purpose is to introduce the year of work ahead on sounding forth the word and to help us begin to see what a model church looks like in its outreach. And I think you'll see what I mean as we go through this when I say a model church or a pattern. What, what does this look like? So, once upon a time. <laughs> once upon a time, if you'll go with me to the land of fairy tale, there was a land long ago covered in darkness and gloom and evil. Dark clouds just covered the sky, summoned by a band, a gang of, of evil, powerful wizards called the Grey. And these, these evil wizards kept people enslaved in a spell of silence. And the spell that held them sounded in their ears like this constant muted hum, like you would hear from a neon light. Old and young alike in villages and cities all through the land went about their daily business in a sort of resigned haze. The groan of mill wheels and the lowing of livestock were the only sounds that broke into that dark gray hum of their lives. Until one day. There's always an until one day, right? Until one day. Another sound was heard from the city, the old mountain city that had been long abandoned in this period of the reign of, of the gray. And at first, it sounded like a child was saying something. And then it became clear that there was a cadence and melody to it. It was a song. Beautiful song. A young boy's voice seemed to soar over the dark clouds and chase all the darkness away. And the people who were near started to feel the warmth of sunlight on their skin as the clouds parted. But more than that, something started to form within them. Something akin to hope, maybe even joy. 
As they went to the old mountain city, they saw the singing boy walking the walls of the old city wearing a crown. And it was amazing. A song had changed everything there. And as far as the song, as the song reached, the darkness was dissipated. And so the people that came watched and waited for that song to clear away all the darkness throughout all the land. But it didn't. The darkness around them remained. The mountain city shined and began to thrive again, but the darkness was everywhere around it. And that could have been the end of the story. But then a young lady, barely a teenager, tried something, muttering, humming, until she found the tune herself. And an old man began harmonizing in a raspy voice. And the two of them began walking down the highway. And as they went singing, the darkness went with it. And so, the kingdom of the prince and his light, what happened to it? Well, it went with them wherever the song went. It traveled with the song. The king's power, the prince's light, traveled with the song. So pioneers were sent into the darkness to stake out outposts in the gray. And everywhere they went, they taught the song and they sang it out as far as they could into the darkness. And listen, while to this day, the darkness remains, the song continues as well. First Thessalonians 1 verses 6 to 7, we read, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. You received it. You received it with this conviction and this joy that overcame even, even the troubles that surrounded your life. For not only, he continues, has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You see this connection between verses 6 and 7 and verse 8. They received the word in a particular way, and then they sounded forth the word in a particular way. What did they receive? Well, if we read through 1 Thessalonians 1, we start to see a picture of what they received. We see that they had in verses 3, verse 3, they had a labor of love and a work of faith and a, and, and a perseverance of hope. We see that they, in verses 9 and 10, changed turning to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We see that their faith went out and people everywhere saw it. We see they had love and hope and conviction and joy. And what they received is what they sent. When you have a good receiver, you have the makings of a good sender. What they took into their hearts, they carried with them and brought it to others. How can you not? But of course, I have found, maybe you have found at times, that you can miss this exchange from receiving to sending. The Thessalonians didn't. The Thessalonians received something that was too great not to share. And so point number one, I have two points in this lesson. Point number one is, after you catch the song, you're meant to become a singer. After you receive the gospel, after you, you understand it and you stake your life believing it, trusting it, not just the message, but the person the message reveals, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when you have him, then you carry him and you bring his message so that other people, no better and no worse than you, in their worthiness of this message, can have the opportunity to hear the song as well. In other words, we've received the gospel with joy and conviction. It's time to carry the Lord and his word with us. You're going to notice something in this verse 7. There's a word here. We might miss it because we're not seeing all the different ways it can be translated. But there in verse 7, in the center of our text, it says, You became an example to all the believers. And, and this word is a really interesting word. Uh, the word tupos is the source of our word type. And it's used in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 9. It's translated an example to imitate. In Titus 2, verse 7, it's translated a model. Titus was supposed to be a model of good works. And we often emphasize Hebrews 8, verse 5, and the way it talks there about a pattern. Moses received a pattern on the mountain. And he was supposed to build everything, what? According to the pattern. That's this word. This word is about the pattern. But only here in all of Scripture is a church explicitly described as a pattern, as a model. We talk about wanting to follow the pattern of the New Testament church. We want to look to what the apostles approved. Well, this is the essence of an approved apostolic example. This is an apostle Paul saying, here is a pattern for all believers. Here is the model for you to follow, at least in this area. They weren't perfect, but Paul wants everyone to see this is who you are. Thessalonians, because of what you've done. So what does it look like? What does it look like to, 
to have this vision and this practice of outreach become our practice and our vision for how we reach out to the lost. Knowing that this is a pattern that Paul is pointing to makes you want to slow down and say, what are we supposed to imitate then? That's, and what a, great, what a great prayer for us to be a church like Thessalonica in this way that Paul is holding up. Just translating these, six, these three verses into a sort of prayer or blessing. May we receive the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of any affliction that comes to us. May we become an example to all the believers throughout our part of the world. May the word of the Lord sound forth from this place, from this group, from us as a whole and as individuals throughout Fort Wayne and all the area around us. And may we, may our faith in God go forth everywhere. This word, I said, it can mean ring out or sound forth. It's a really interesting word. Um, this is a quote from Leon Morris. He said, Paul's from you. It has the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. There's an emphasis on that from you. Paul's from you is emphatic in the Greek. They were special. From you, the word of the Lord is going forth everywhere. And his ring out is a picturesque image for us. It might describe the clarion call of a trumpet or the roll of thunder. It emphasizes the resounding nature of witness born by the Thessalonian church. The verb is a Greek perfect. The tense of it, it suggests that this is continuing Constantly, they're sounding forth the word. It was no passing whim. It was not a, a program or, or a movement or somebody, you know, three people in the church somewhere started this and kind of carried it. No, this was something that was a part of the ongoing continual practice of this church. To sound forth the word all over. Another scholar, Charles Wanamaker, says it this way. This verb is found only here in the New Testament, the sound forth, and provides the image of something like sound going forth in all directions, shooting out as far as the song goes. One of, the, one of our hymns says, as far as the curse is found, may the gospel go forth. Where sin has gone must go his grace, the gospel is for all. It needs to go forth from us. You know, I think because God is omnipresent, God is everywhere, you know, there's that sense of there's no place you can go to hide from God. Nolan, in our talk over here to the side, read from Psalm 139 and that idea of God knows everything. God is everywhere. God searches you and everywhere you go, there he is. And because of that sense of omnipresence, I think sometimes we can feel like his salvation is everywhere too. But it's not. 
in God's wisdom, he has decided to entrust us with this partnership, with this task of carrying his salvation in the gospel we speak. In the message of salvation that we bring. And so when we go to someone face to face, or when we go to a place and carry the gospel with us, there is a, the kingdom of God. There is an opportunity for salvation. There is that light clearing away the darkness for any who will turn and hear. Let's talk for a minute about geography and the gospel. What does the gospel have to do with geography? Well, it's just this idea that I just said. Even though the Lord is everywhere, the gospel isn't everywhere. And that's why there's this emphasis throughout the New Testament on the gospel spreading geographically. It's interesting all of Christ's ministry happened in a little dot. You know, this isn't even the whole world, of course. That's just the Mediterranean Sea. But Christ's ministry was right there. That's where he's preaching. He was, a, he was in a body. And he carried with him, with his voice, the message that saved people. And so when Jesus, right before he ascended gave this three-phased commission. He gave an outline of the book of Acts, right? And the outline is, here's your plan. Here's how I want you to send forth the word. You're going to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, and then in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Again, first in Jerusalem, that little dot, that's where the gospel was. In Jerusalem, <laughs> there's a whole world out there. But there's all these people that know the Lord, have been baptized into him, are walking in the power of the Lord's blessing. And then from there, it goes to Judea and Samaria, that little circle around it. And then Paul and Peter and others start to carry it out. Philip and, and, and others are carrying the word with them wherever they go. Aquila and Priscilla are in Rome, and then they come to Corinth, and they go to, and wherever they go, they're these traveling pockets of light that gives an offer of salvation. They could keep it to themselves, of course, and then they're not offering anything. But they're carrying with them the kingdom and it's spreading because they carry forth the word. And so there's this emphasis on geography in this text. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. This is, together, a picture of Greece. And then he says, and your faith in God, maybe it's, it's knowledge of your faith in God, or maybe it's the, the thing that they're teaching, has gone forth everywhere so that they need not say anything. So here is Thessalonica, that little red dot, if you can see that. And here's Macedonia, northern Greece. And here's Achaia, down there where Corinth and, and other places are, southern Greece. And throughout that whole region, the word of the Lord is sounding forth from this local church. A group of people, just like us, 
maybe a smaller group than us, but they are sending out the word. They are carrying it with them. And probably partially means they're sending out, you know, they're training and developing and sending out gospel preachers. But it's also all the people who are carrying the gospel with them who have turned to Christ are speaking the word. He doesn't say, and, and your two preachers that you sent out are sounding forth the word. He says, you are Thessalonians. That's the work of a local church. That's the model that is being held up for us. A place where they're bringing the word around them and then it's sounding forth as it does. Good news travels. And so this is my point number two. We are a kingdom outpost, dispatching light into the surrounding darkness. This is what a church is. This is what a local church is. We are, we are in enemy territory. Okay, you know it, look around. But here, not in this building, here, in this group, there is light, there is life, there is hope, there is freedom. There is everlasting life. And our job, our mission, again, should we choose to accept it, is to go forth sounding it out. And I know, in a way, I'm preaching to the choir because we all know it. And we're going to spend a whole year unpacking how do we do it? How do we take our next steps to do it better? Some of us are doing it great. Some of us haven't really taken our, our first steps in it. But we all can keep growing in how we're doing this, how we're carrying the light. And some of it is just in our life. Some of it is in how you live. No one is going to know the truth of the gospel by just watching you. The word must be spoken at some point. In other words, our mission is to fill our area with the word and then send it forth even further. It's like, like when you flood the first, first level and then it starts to spill out, and then it starts to spill out, and it goes out further and further. We could look at this statement and replace Macedonia with Fort Wayne, replace Achaia with, I don't know, the Midwest. May it be said of us, North Church of Christ, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Fort Wayne, and throughout the Midwest, in Indiana, northern Indiana, southern Indiana, into Ohio, into Michigan, into Illinois. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So, Adrian helped me build this little sign. And this is where we start. Geography matters. They started in Jerusalem. They started in Thessalonica. We've got to start with the people we have the most influence with. And maybe that's somebody, in addition to your neighbors and your coworkers and your family here, maybe there's somebody in, in California that you have a strong influence on and you can spread the gospel to. Well, the word of the Lord is going forth everywhere then. But it starts with us. 
and who we talk to and who we know. And then it goes forth from there. We've got, we've got outposts of people bringing the word in Trine University and in Angola and, you know, up in Hunterstown. I always get Huntington and Hunterstown mixed up, which is a big problem if you're driving somewhere. Um, all over the place, right? And it keeps going. It keeps spreading. You know, our, we, we have every year people from you know, young people from Ohio and Michigan and different places coming for Epic. We have people listening to the, the things that are taught, not just the sermons, but, but Zooms of ladies' studies and other things all over the world. There is a starting point, but we're not satisfied. We want to flood the fort. You know, I don't know if you heard this phrase, hopefully... If anybody's lived here for a while, you've heard this nickname for Fort Wayne. I always kind of liked it. We want to flood the fort with the word of God. Fill Northeast Indiana with God's word. And then from there, let it sound forth beyond this area. And so we're going to have specific challenges and activities and gatherings. And we're going we're to track with little dots on the map all over how this is spreading out and all the places that we're trying to bring the word of God throughout our area. Thank you again for filling out these Arise and Build evangelism check-ins. Um, I really appreciate the insight that was brought, the honesty that people talked about these things with. It was, it was so helpful and will continue to be throughout this year as I think through some of these things, I'm going to share these, uh, my spreadsheet with the elders as well. And even, even I, maybe because it was anonymous, it, it just allowed this openness of, for us to think through, what do we need to take our next steps? Where are we stuck? How do we do better as a church and as individuals in spreading and carrying the gospel? And one of the things that were clear, was clear is we have some work to do, not just in spreading the gospel, but in ourselves to equip us. We need strategies and knowledge a lot of people brought up. We need confidence. We worry how it will change our relationships. We need to think through that, get our arms around it, pray through it, study through it, talk about it together. How do we not let this keep us from saying what we need to say? Some of us have a deep sense of shame. You know, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm not worthy of doing this. Um, maybe shame around different things or a fear, debilitating fear of this. I tell you, I've been there. None of this is too difficult to overcome. None of this is unique to any one of us. When we got together, whatever it was, a couple years ago, year and a half, I don't know, uh, we identified five, as a group in these conversations five needs and from that five visions. And this is focusing on this, this need we saw for outreach and this vision that God has for us to sound forth 
the word. And there's so many ways that we can do it. And it's up to each one of us to take responsibility for growing ourselves. And you know, I find that when I, when I get into one of these places where I have tension in my faith, where I'm feeling like I have to look honestly at myself, I have to take steps I wasn't ready to take, I have to step out of my comfort zone, that is where the adventure of faith really begins. And that's maybe my unique way of looking at it or my personality or something. But the challenge is, you know, you don't grow whenever you're lifting something this heavy. But if you start lifting something that you've, you've not lifted very much before, then you start to tear down your muscles and grow new ones. And that's what we're trying to do. I remember when I first got married, my first, I mean, it's still a training ground for me, but my first few years of marriage was like, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone. I gotta grow. I gotta learn. Having kids, there's a whole new thing to learn. Well, evangelism and, and committing yourself to being faithful to the Lord in the way we speak and engage with people in the gospel, no, ma no matter the results, the results are up to God. We plant, we water, God will give the increase, but are we being faithful in the way we speak, in the way we engage with people, in the way we care about people, in the way we pray for people, in the way we share an insightful thing that we hear or learn? That's up to us. I started with a fairy tale, children's story. So I thought maybe it'd be appropriate as I come near to our ending to share from another children's story that I heard my wife reading the other night, <laughs> last night, I think, or the night before. It's from the literary genius, Dr. Seuss. And it's called Horton Hears a Who. And if you're familiar with this book, um, you understand the whole plot line. If you're not, the very simple idea is that there's a whole world of people on a little speck of dust. And this elephant is about to destroy them and, and they're in danger. People don't know that there's a world there and they have to shout it out enough for people to hear. And so we read about this idea that they need to make, he says, Horton says, I can hear you just fine, but some people's ears aren't as uh, strong as mine. Are you sure all the boys are doing their best? Are they all making noise? Are you sure every who down in Whoville is working? Quick, look through your work. Look through your town. Is anyone shirking? I'm not going to read all of this. I just have a few pieces to share with you. And through the town rushed the mayor from the east to the west, but everyone seemed to be doing his best. But it wasn't enough, all this ruckus and roar. He had to find someone to help him make more. He raced through each building. He searched floor to floor. And he discovered one shirker quite hidden away. But this lad joined in, it says, and he climbed with the lad up the Eiffelberg Tower. This, cried the mayor, is your town's darkest hour. We've got to make noises in greater amounts. So open your mouth, lad, for every voice counts. And they were saved, and the realization they had, they've proved they are persons, no matter how small, and their whole world was saved 
by the smallest of all. And isn't that how God in his wisdom has chosen to save the whole world? Not by a sign in the stars, but by little flawed people like us carrying with us our voice, a voice that's tuned to the gospel, a life that's tuned to the gospel. So, you know the movie, there's a movie where Bill Murray is under psychiatric care and he's told by Richard Dreyfuss to take baby steps. You can't solve everything, but take baby steps. And so he starts doing that everywhere. Baby steps to the door, baby steps to the door, baby steps to the car. Everything is baby steps. And you know, if you break everything down into baby steps, a giant overwhelming task isn't quite so overwhelming. About a month ago, we asked you to write down on a, this is a brick, this is a stone from the wall, on these stones, what happened last year? What was the work that was done last year? But now we're turning the page. And I'm asking you to think about your next baby step. Write it on one of these little cards. What is your next step? Not, we, we, this was one of the questions we hinted at in the evangelism check-in sheet, but we also looked further down the road. Where do you want to be at the end of the year? This is, where are you going next? Make it small. Tiny is mighty. Something you know you're going to do. Something that you can do. You're going to say a prayer. You're going to have one conversation. You're going to commit you're just going to have a conversation with someone who's sitting next to you right now, right after services, about someone that you're praying for and looking for an opportunity to, to uh, engage with and speak the gospel to. Whatever it is, write something down and either turn it into the box or give it to me or Adrian. You don't need to put your name on it. Just say, I will. I will do this next. What's your next step towards sounding the word more effectively? And so my prayer for you is that you catch the song and sing out. So that we can say with the Thessalonians about the kind of change that came, that the kind of reception we had brought us to turn to God and to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come.